your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the Off Tackle Empire podcast, where we're here to talk about everything Big Ten, everything that is holy to us out here in God's country, uh, which is, of course, the Midwest, the very most Midwestern podcast. And now we're going to talk about, in our Big Ten 2022 preview series, that very most Midwestern of institution. Rutgers! It's Jay-Z week! Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about New Jersey in the context of original Jersey, it certainly is more West. It is middle in the sense that there are things both above and below it on the typical map. It's so, pretty mid. Yeah, I, Rutgers is Midwest, confirmed. Um, Maybe Midwest has more a state of mind rather than a geographic location. Let so. me, if you, so we're joined today, uh, you first heard Thumpasaurus, um, our Illinois correspondent. I'm Andrew Krzyzewski, your Michigan State. We are joined today by um, Zuzu, one of our fantastic Rutgers correspondents. And so a quick little litmus test here. We'll set the scene. Um, Holiday party, it's probably snowing outside. Maybe it's just cold and and brown and gray. If you're in a crowded room where there's buffet style food and you need to get past someone in order to reach a jar of salad dressing, what would you say, Zuzu? Well, I, I know the answer is like, oh, let me squeeze right past you. But like, I don't know. I just say, excuse me. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I do have to say the Ope thing that Midwesterners think is so them. I, I swear I've said Ope my entire life, like in moments. And, and I, I don't think it's exclusively Midwestern. I think Midwestern people just really own it. But I mean, state of mind. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that there were people that thought that that's not what Eminem was saying in uh, Lose Yourself. Oh, there (laughs) goes gravity. gravity. (laughs) But yeah, no, no, no. At at this insistence that that's somehow not our thing, I'm going to go ahead and do another Midwestern thing and slap my knees and, well, Well, (laughs) (laughs) and then that see that's very good because in approximately 45 minutes to an hour and a half we will leave so you start the process by doing that so anyway <laughs> we started ending the podcast by slapping our knees and indicating we're going to leave so now we'll do the entire podcast and then it'll be time to go and at the end slap. of that we'll make sure this knee slaps can be heard over your mics that's key so yeah so so let's talk about an ultimately weird but not bad weird season for Rutgers in what ended up being their most successful season in the Big Ten since their 2014 debut uh, by absolutely any measure yeah I still can't believe that happened I I I don't remember what happened I just remember the emotions associated with it Yeah, and it's it's made all the more remarkable by the fact that for most of the season when you watch Rutgers play you would think to yourself, well, yeah, like, look, they're doing some things well here. I think they're designing this offense about as well as they can with the talent they have on hand. The defense is certainly well coached and the special teams are solid. But at some point, you need points. And that's that's how you get to a five and eight season, I think. And, and kind of come out of it thinking like they, they, there wasn't a whole lot of space to do much better than that with the way that they played. So the other thing there is, 
fast start and kind of a long dragged out finish there. They started three and Oh, a pretty manageable non-conference game. Temple is usually better than they were. Other than that though, I mean the, the road win at Syracuse, you could argue is probably their most yeah. impressive win of the year. By the time they got the win over Indiana, that Hoosiers team had folded the tent. They had a ton of injuries. Um, but so again, it's, it's a good start out of the gate. And when you have a manageable non-conference, it's important to win those games. But after that, so, I mean, how about the beat dropping on the schedule here? So the first three weeks it's temple at Syracuse, Delaware Rutgers wins those games by a huge margin. I can do the math. I don't want to do the math. Uh, they score well over hundred points and allow fewer than 30 in those three games. But then after the non-con is over, they go to Michigan, they host Ohio State, they host Michigan State. Um, they score 13 points each of those. Actually had a very real oh, chance. Yeah, we almost Michigan. Yeah, we almost beat Michigan. I, I remember that game. That was oh, I thought that was gonna be our big upset. I was I was waiting for it. Um just didn't happen. Not only was it close, it was a uh, it was close by virtue of shutting out the Wolverines through the second half uh, as Rutgers came back from a 20 to 3 halftime deficit. Yes. So an inspiring yeah, thing to behold. Again, that prompted a lot of navel gazing around here. Uh, you know, Zoo, for your reference, here in Metro Detroit. If you're not a Michigan fan, that's too damn bad. You're going to hear quite a bit about them. And there was a lot of speculation then about what is that team capable of doing if they're really this bad at throwing the ball. And they basically tried to beat Rutgers by just playing a high school offense, running the ball the whole game, but Rutgers' run defense held solid. So even in a loss, that was, if anything, maybe as impressive a performance as they had that first month of the season. But it is a difficult stretch. Um, to well, be but Zuzi, you've been there. Players. You've been right there near rock bottom with me over these last few years. Oh, as, yes, uh, I have. Right. <laughs> if you can't get a win, it is still pretty good to cause wailing and gnashing of teeth among fans of a top five team. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, everyone always talks about moral victories and moral victories mean nothing. When you're Rutgers or Illinois, you have to take the moral victories because if you don't, I mean, what's the point? Uh, You know, especially if you're going to have a three-win season, a two-win season or less, you you can't really keep the the fire going if you just look at it as like, well, that was a one-win season. No, it's always that was a one-win season, but... We performed admirably in these areas and in this way, in this game, we almost had them. So well, that, our that's teams that. have had enough horrifying records that yes. you've got to differentiate them by saying, oh yeah, that was the three and nine season, but we, we lost a few games by one touchdown. Oh no, that was that four and eight season where we allowed three different 63 burgers. Okay. Now that wasn't as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and we had that season. We had, you all remember that season, that stretch of Rutgers literally scoring zero points in the face of um what 70 it was 224 points? to nothing i believe yeah. was the margin in that 2016 yeah. run yeah with the highest one being that 70 whatever to zero michigan game that will forever haunt my dreams <laughs> so you know and, and it's just it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be the good give it the old good college try you know i i i have let go a lot of my not let go of my passion, but I let go of a lot that my emotions surrounding Rutgers football and losing is not so painful anymore. It's like, oh, I mean, that was a good game. Hope they had fun out there. Um, you know, I I liked what I saw here. Shame we couldn't pull it off in the end, you know, all the way through. So um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed last season. I, I the Syracuse win was really great. You know, second win. That's the best regional historical rival for Rutgers. Um, and it's really, really nice to beat Syracuse as a Rutgers fan, especially because they are one of two teams that were so bitter when Rutgers was in, invited to the Big Ten. It was Syracuse and UConn who had the most to say about it because they're those teams that well, hate us most. Um, if, any uh, UConn team thought, if any UConn fan thought they were going to get that invite instead, oh. boy. <laughs> oh, they just... did. Oh, we could talk about that. That's a whole other podcast. Oh, my gosh. They 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 were that entitled. They really thought that they're New York six borough. UConn that's, football. Oh yeah, that's scores, 2008. Right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 2009 Fiesta Bowl participant UConn to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, sure, and, right. Even um, a thousand miles away here, when we think of the six borough of New York, we do, of course, think of stores, Connecticut. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, clearly. But um, but yeah. So I, I I enjoyed last season beating Indiana again. Also super satisfying because Indiana has become this kind of weird, unexpected rival for Rutgers. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but I've sensed I think, a weird I think that's thing there. Mostly a thing just between the SBN blogs. I don't know how much that's really felt between the fan bases at large. Maybe it is. Well, when I was there in person, because I played there with the band, I. They were mad. I uh, when when we oh my gosh, it was the second year we played. We were in the Big Ten. No, because I I had one year in the Big Ten before I graduated. Whatever. We went to Indiana, and we came back. I think it was our biggest comeback at the time. Kyle Flood's uh, like highlight of his career is like a twenty-two point comeback uh, win with Gary Nova. And Indiana fans were were seething. They were so mad at Rutgers. They were like yelling at the band. That had after. to be twenty fourteen. Yeah, I guess it was. Um, and and I'll, I'll never forget that it was just really, it was really vicious, um, like like more so than I had expected. I was like, oh, okay, all right, pretty mad. And then, yeah, sure, the SB Nation, what, what the heck is their blog called? Uh, Crimson Quarry. Crimson Quarry. Crimson Quarry certainly blog, yeah. stokes the flames a little bit, probably because they know it gets clicks. But I don't know, it feels authentic to me, yeah, I think. I, I think there's probably a feeling there of, Look, we're Indiana, one of the losing. I think they had, I think they took losingest FBS program away from Northwestern a few years ago. Um, <laughs> but even in that context, I think they're like, oh, come on, we're still a charter member of the Big Ten. We should be able to consistently beat Rutgers. Like, that's yeah, well, and that's that's the mentality, right? They're mad because we came in, they expected us. We should, you know, we were supposed to be the doormat, not them, mm. you know, becoming more of that than than i thought like okay good you know teams to beat up on but it wasn't look we've already talked about indiana this year which means in the context of the way this big 10 2022 progresses that means Rutgers was the better team Um, and there was certainly no doubt on the field although as i mentioned by the time indiana played they had been absolutely rabid. oh yeah totally i think they were Um, fourth or fifth string quarterback depending on how you want to count a preseason injury so uh but again look it was still a defense that played with some passion though. And so for Rutgers to roll up 38 on them is not nothing. Right. Um, yeah. They had beaten Illinois a couple weeks before. Really, if you were to look at their, and again, because of the circumstances of bowl season, they got the bowl anyway. Um, had they, had it been a more typical year where you're thinking, oh man, we ended on five wins. How did we get that sixth one to get to a bowl? I think the Northwestern game is probably yeah. the one you have to look at. That's, that one haunts us. I would say, um, 
And it's yeah. like, like, especially because Northwestern's defense last year was not their typical vintage. Um, that Rutgers was not able to run the ball effectively on them, I think was a surprise. I don't remember. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here and it looks like Pacheco might not even have played. Um, I can't say I remember him being hurt middle of last season, but maybe that happened. But in any yeah. case, um, I Looking don't remember from... either. <laughs> it's all a blur. But um, yeah, the, the the Michigan and the Northwestern game definitely got out from under us last year. Um, but you, you're you're a gamer, right? If you play fighting games, you know at some point you're going to have a mirror match, right? Yeah. You won that one against against the team that plays good defense, has a good punter, but should probably score some points at some time. Winning that one on the road is a good proof of concept. Yeah. However, I would also like to note on the subject of rivalries that I, I, I'm just, I'm seething right now as I see Twitter successfully doing with Morbius what I failed to do with Illa Nutgers and meme it into a sequel. Damn it, I've been on this for years and years and years and they won't give me my protected rivalry, but it took them what, um, like, like a month to, 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 to do Morbius into a, you know, meme it hard enough that it got a sequel? Are they really doing a no, sequel? No, they did not. Don't tell me that they successfully I, I heard meme. that they did, in fact, greenlight a sequel. But my favorite take was like, no, no, movie execs, I need you to understand that we're not, we're making fun of Morbius. Do not greenlight a sequel. We're and not laughing like, with you. We're laughing at you. Do not make another Morbius. That was one of my my uh, key tweets about the whole situation. Like, on the oh, other I hand, see. make many more Illinutkers. Make <laughs> well, so I many Illinutkers. You see, you want to know my theory, the problem with Illinutkers, and, and this is like really out there, like, um, I think the problem is the name. I don't want to say Illinutkers every time I go <laughs> That's play why it's so Illinois. Good, I know. <laughs> Illinois, like, like that's the worst part. Is like it literally shaves off only one syllable for each school, uh, each school name. But somehow it's nuts merged together. Is the worst part. Illinois, the beer. Illinois, the mixed drink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's like when I. What did I I do when I went to college game day? I made that sign. It was it was Rutgers versus Purdue. Uh, Yeah, like clash of powerhouses. I, I there was a hashtag. What the hell was the hashtag? It was. Something funny. It wasn't quite Illinois Nutgers, but it was good. Anyway, good times. Um, but that powerhouses is good enough, honestly. Like I think it would have gotten you on camera for that. I I did. Yeah, I was in there. There's like a photo of my sign, not me. I'm too short. I'm surprised you were able to see the sign. Um, anyway, right. Illinois Nutgers. I I I believe in it. But I have to say that was probably my favorite conference win of last year. And this is going to sound so petty. The only reason why it was my favorite win was because art transferred there <laughs> and i was like oh no no we're not gonna have the uh the adoptive team of our former quarterback uh uh win no sorry <laughs> so our star punter was out punted that day by your star punter it was uh, a punter's duel and i must have tipped my cap adam corsack won adam corsack a punter after my own heart what a man what a what a player absolute mvp greatest Rutgers player of all time don't even care who hears it he's, it he's amazing truly a banner year for punting he came back from australia to yeah. play in our bowl game like what a freaking hero a true scarlet knight that man uh, well, look, uh, he certainly got some action in that Gator Bowl loss to yes. a, very, a good Wake Forest team, a, a, t- a Wake yeah. Forest team that sent Doak Walk winning running back Kenneth Walker to Michigan State and still was pretty good. Uh, who would have figured that 
Well, <laughs> Rutgers was unable to exploit their weakness, which is apparently talking about Sam Hart's tra- Sam Hartman's tragic backstory, God. as we learned from the ACC title game. Well, I, I bet Zoo doesn't know the story. Recount that I quickly don't. for her. Uh, they were playing. Game. They were playing Pitt, just going back and forth in the ACC title game. When you know they always have these you know soft focus, sad piano music stories. Uh, you know, so many athletes do have things that they've overcome to get here and they, they played in the intro and the outro from commercials it's you it's not supposed to be a long story like it's supposed to be pretty quick and then they move on they, they play it for instances where the game's not close but this one was down to the wire and it was a shootout and it was about like you know sam hartman wearing the number for like his his tragically deceased relative or something like that i think it was a and high school teammate but yeah same i point. thought it was a brother but in any case, they come back to the game and he immediately throws a pick six. And then they get on the field and he immediately throws another pick six. Oh, because they no. kept going with the story. Because the produ- whatever producer wasn't made this decision was like, no, we did this puff piece. We're finishing it. I don't care if he just threw a pick six. You finished <laughs> this sad story. Terrible. We're playing the sad <laughs> piano music. And he threw another pick six and the game oh. is suddenly abruptly out of reach. And then they cut to him on the sideline afterwards. And he is the most emotionally obliterated person you've ever seen. Oh, no. That's, that's what I remember about Wake Forest season last year. Terrible. And Steve and I are texting each other as this is going on. Like, are they really doing this poor kid right now? Oh, my God. My God. <laughs> Suffice it to say, Greg Schiano just did not have the ruthlessness it would have taken to exploit that particular weakness of the mighty Wake Forest offense. <laughs> Yeah, so, to have your guy to have your guy in the booth tell you they're playing the puff piece, do, do the emotionally devastating thing to their quarterback now, and he'll never recover. Like jump the route. Oh geez, well I, I remember that in that game we were we were in it in the beginning, and then we just I don't know got gassed and, and whatever. So the, the final score thirty eight ten. It looks a lot worse than it felt. I would say. Um, but but hey, we got there. Our oh, and, fans got a Florida winter vacation. You know how cool. And you know so. you were playing an ACC team, which, as you know, if you've listened to the Off Talk Empire podcast, is the same thing as playing a Big Twelve team ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just out of nowhere. Wide open passing, deep pass, four verts, trash just... defense, basically across the board. Yeah, it just <laughs> that is very specific. I I like that. I wouldn't know how many years ago was that? How old would I have been? Yeah, barely into college football, that's for sure. (laughs) So we'll move a little bit into the roster here, but before we do, um, there's one kind of last mention here that this offense really did struggle last year. We've talked about a couple teams that have marginal to little success offensively, and what a lot of them have in common is – they really can't throw the ball at all. Um, Nebraska was kind of a weird case. They had they were so prone to the explosion play in like the the oh my furnace exploded way, not in the explosive play of longer a certain amount of yards. Uh, <laughs> all the other teams we talked about though could not throw the ball a lick. That was certainly the case for Rutgers as well. They had a couple decent games by yardage for Vedral here and there. Some of that would have been in garbage time. Um, and it's really it's just it's been a an offense that has lacked punch in the receiving room really since Leonte Carew left. You could say Janarian Grant to an extent, but he was never a traditional receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is all in, in the West, at least that can work as long as you run the ball effectively enough. And Rutgers tried to do that again. Like I mentioned, I actually like the design that Gleason has in a lot of the plays that he runs. 
I think they do get the most out of what they have, but they don't have the kind of athletes that can run this creative, you know, catch you off balance offense and then crease you for 70 or 80 yards. They, especially once Aaron Crookshank got hurt, they really just didn't have that kind of difference maker. And so yeah. this is an offense that wasn't very effective last year that is losing really their top two playmakers in Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco. Yes. And, oh, I mean, I think having a poor offense has plagued Rutgers since Kyle Flood left. One of my unpopular opinions, I actually think Kyle Flood was a good football coach. I think he, I think our best offense that Rutgers has had in a long time, even better than under Greg Schiano, was actually under Kyle Flood. Um, and then once Chris Ash came in, he messed that up <laughs> uh, royally. Would it be and, fair to say that Kyle Flood, the much better um, offensive coordinator, football coach type guy than a program CEO because as I recall, yeah. as I recall, yeah, it just um the recruiting sort of yeah. went downhill and then there was that really weird cheating scandal that <laughs> was pretty keystone cops. Yes, yeah. it was like he put on like what a disguise and tried to go like <laughs> bribe a professor to change oh my God. hilarious. Yeah, that happened. That was. Yeah, but so so yeah, I mean, absolutely not a good program leader. Definitely not not creating a a high I don't know academically performing team. Rutgers APR was at an all time low under Kyle Flood. He just didn't really emphasize the kind of values that should be emphasized. And like, oh, he's a Big Ten football team. You know, everyone pretends that these are student athletes, but at the least, pretend on the surface that these things matter to you. And, and he didn't. Um, but yeah, I actually think Kyle Flood is a good coach and I'm pretty sure he's found decent success in the NFL. What is he like an offensive coordinator for like Jaguars or something? I don't know. I could Google this. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm curious. But, to look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, so anyway, I digress. Uh, offense, oh, he's at Texas now. Oh, he's, oh yeah, he is. Yes. Yes. I didn't remember that. Um, or Chris Ashes do no. Offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Yeah. Wait, isn't Chris, Chris Ash is with um, under Herman? Where the hell? No, Herman? Herman's gone now. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Oof. Oh, it doesn't matter. Point is, um, well, either way, Texas struggled. has to have some Rutgers in their program somewhere. Yes. Yeah. But uh, so, uh, um, uh, Rutgers struggled on the offensive front. When, when you can never get a good quarterback, God, like I don't understand why Rutgers just can't get a good quarterback, and then that's why we're so excited to see Gavin Wimsat, you know, quarterback of the future, everyone says, you know, like, oh, he, what was he, four-star, or high, whatever, he's our highest yeah, blue check. highest yeah. ra- rated quarterback that we've ever gotten as a recruit, you know, we saw a little bit of him last year, nothing that I was just like, oh my god, yes, this is the future, he threw a little bit, um, I think Bedrill is, is a wonderful team leader, I think he was a reliable quarterback in the sense that we did win a few games with him, nothing too fancy, nothing too overdone except for the Temple game. Um, that was with the help of a lot of, you know, our other offenses, playmakers, obviously. So so I, I will never, I will always sing Bedrill's, you know, praises. Um, but God, is it about time that we get a decent, not a decent, I'm sick of decent. I want a great quarterback. Like, oh my gosh, of all the talent in the country and the fact that Rutgers is a Big Ten team, it shouldn't be so challenging, but yes, uh, Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco leaving are massive blows to the team. I I couldn't even tell you who could who could like step into their shoes. You guys, you know, noted oh. that Taj Harris could yeah. step in as number one wide receiver immediately. Sure, but I mean that's just one. Probably um, so. Yeah. 
Um, They were adding Sean Ryan from West Virginia too. So what you can, so the first year he came in, Shiano brought in a lot of guys on the defense as transfers, especially on the defensive line. That was what he identified as a problem area. You can see a similar approach in how he's building the offense, bringing in two transfer receivers from power five schools who figured to play and play pretty big roles right away. Uh, but then also the fact that I think he is diagnosed, I think correctly, that really the low ceiling on this offense is defined mostly by the fact that the offensive line play just isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and to address that, they then bring in four transfers from various levels of football. Um, the name that most Big Ten fans will know is Curtis Dunlap from Minnesota, who played multiple years on some very good run blocking teams in particular. The actual star, though, is a guy from Sacred Heart from a lower division, J.D. Dorenzo. He figures to start at one of the other tackle spots. And then a couple other guys, Willie Tyler from UL Monroe, Mike Schiaffoni from Colorado State. Um, You could see as many as three of those guys starting for Rutgers, depending on how some position battles shake out. It's a man, that's an approach that I don't think anyone has successfully pulled off. I mean, it's again, the transfer portal era is still pretty new. But even Mel Tucker, who I think so far has been the poster child for success in bringing guys in through the portal, uh, he brought one guy in last year and (laughs) one guy in this year on the offensive line. And Michigan State's offensive line has not been good for a while. Well, and the reason you can say that about Mel Tucker is because he's won games. Uh, He was starting from a foundation that was high above where Greg Schiano was starting from. So given how much Shiano has elevated the foundation this quickly, uh, you could argue that, you know, they, they get into, you know, you know, bowl and change territory, man. You know, a lot of this work has been done with the transfer portal because um, the other thing is he's bringing in not just guys that have starting experience and can play right away, but guys with appropriately Rutgers names like Dorenzo and Giovanni. <laughs> Dorenzo, like, sorry, yeah. He's he's so committed to this Rutgers thing because (laughs) the thing is you you can have a blue chip, you know, dual threat quarterback prospect absolutely fail to save you. And a number of that can happen in a number of ways. I remember Aaron Bailey at Illinois, but you know, that can happen if you don't surround him with the right, you know, talent, if you don't build, develop the line, if you don't have the right coaching, or it can just, you can, all the things can be right and it just doesn't work out, but you maximize your chances of getting the most out of that guy if you're urgently surrounding him with, you know, good talent good. from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's cool. I actually didn't realize, I told you guys, I'm the one just going on, I, that that um, Shiana had brought in this many people from the transfer portal. Now, of course, and aside, not related to the Big Ten, I am a grad student at USC. I have seen the true winner of the transfer portal right here. <laughs> uh, uh, Lincoln Riley literally built an entirely new top tier team from the transfer portal alone. So it's certainly possible that, you know, this transfer portal, you know, uh, world is new and you can get quick transformations uh, in teams if you have a coach that's willing to like really tap into the portal in like a strategic way. Like I like that there's a guy here from Sacred Heart because I think Sacred mm-hmm. Heart actually um has a decent football um team uh at least last i had checked them out so i think that that's useful and just he's pulling guys from where you can get them uh, and strategically it seems we'll see uh we definitely struggle on the offensive guys at those levels who can play 
So I would be surprised if programs going forward don't put in safeguards to make sure nobody can pull a Lincoln Riley again. Oh yeah, and, uh, and build another pro- you build another lose. program before they even interview for yeah. that job, and then just like pull up the anchor on the one you're in and sail off to some other school. Hey, he didn't build a program before he interviewed for the job. And the whole time I was wondering, had no idea why do they seem so unprepared to play Oak State? It's like he wasn't even at practice, and then he wasn't at practice. He was in California recruiting for for a team that he doesn't coach he wasn't recruiting for usc you guys give him too much credit yeah you guys give him way too much credit Uh, the college world gives him anyway we're not gonna talk about lincoln riley i i like lincoln riley no i do too look i (laughs) I, I, a little salty because oklahoma is his second team i don't hate the player i hate the game he's taking advantage (laughs) of a situation where there are basically no rules all of a sudden because the ncaa was too stubborn to see this whole world coming and now they have their pants around their ankles Hell yeah, do whatever you think you can get away with in the interest of winning right now. That's what the transfer portal really makes possible. Is if you do it right, you can get a lot better in a hurry, especially in a place like USC. So, anyway, to get back to get all the but, way back, to but the yeah, line. it's it's relevant though, you yeah. know, like, no, like it matters, yeah, like it can, matters. And yeah, um, and, and so you expect teams, coaches who are willing and able to find the right guys, are going to be able to address needs quickly, like in the previous world you would watch Rutgers last year and be like, holy hell, how do we fix this offensive line? This is going to take years. We don't, we don't even have the recruits on campus yet, let alone incubate them for a couple of years before they can get on the field and maybe start to play better. No, go out and get guys who have already proven they can play and get better right now. Which is awesome. Yeah. That probably speeds up the timeframes, everything. Yeah. But I think that that, Interestingly enough, I almost think if Chris Ash were still there, maybe his approach would have worked better because of the different ways that he and Shiano handled their new quarterbacks. So when Chris Ash took over, he landed a commitment from Sikowski pretty early, and that was a pretty big deal, given that Rutgers was kind of dead in the water from recruiting at that point. But he opted to throw Sikowski in the deep end right away. And poor Sikowski. Oh, my God, that poor kid. Honestly, like – I wrote a whole article on this basically where I said like, yeah, the reason you don't see numbers like this is because quarterbacks are never given this long a leash before, you know, they're not just left in there to just continue to rack up trauma. And we Um, said at the time, like, this is the kind of this decision, if it doesn't work and they keep playing this kid and he plays that badly, this is what gets coaches fired. And it did. Yeah. Um, The difference in those two, I think because Shiano, before he even took the job, you remember there was all that discussion that he has made certain demands of the administration. Like, this is why I need to be competitive. You're going to give me this for facilities, this for assistance, so yes. on and so forth. And that that also implies a certain length of leash that he gets his blue chip quarterback and whims at, and he's able to say, if the kid's not ready, I'm not going to play him that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the storyline for this season is going to be, do they let Bedrill go the whole season or if they see enough in Wimsat from practice, do they throw him in there and get him ready to be the engine of this program going forward? Right. And cause, cause Wimsat, he started early, right? He enrolled early. Like he didn't, he like shortened his senior year. And so I think he was able to get involved with practice. So he's had two kind of major practice seasons with Rutgers leading up until this fall. So he's not, so fresh baby, uh, you know, quarterback that uh, Art was, thank goodness. Um, so we'll see. 
I will say this. I really like the whimsical energy that Sean Gleason has brought to offensive play calling and roster management over the course of a game. Over the yeah. course of a single game, he'll just throw anything he has against the wall and just see if something works. Just yeah, I don't know. I, fuck it. Let's see if they'll, if they'll stop this. I don't know. I noticed a lot of people they refer to his play calling as cute. Like, oh, Gleason was a little too cute there, or a little, or not cute enough here. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a little dismissive though, because it really yeah, exactly. Like, look, yeah. man, he's he's trying to make chicken salad to an extent here. Yeah, I mean, you do it, have to try some stuff that most teams would not attempt absolutely because sometimes that stuff hurts yeah and Rutgers is Rutgers and you know it, it worked in some games like like the Ohio State game like that mm-hmm. game on paper we lost a lot but we had some cool plays in that game you know I it, it was neat and I think what the the I'm trying to think the year before that the 2020 have, Indiana game the was Indiana that was silly. It, the, yeah the um the laterals that I'm, I'm trying to imagine yeah. Sean Gleason defending his play calling to Greg Schiano in Gilbert Gottfried's voice for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you want from me? I'm trying to score points in a football game. <laughs> like honestly, though, what is the proposed alternative? Would you rather Ohio Rutgers going to play Ohio State? line up and run it between the tackles 25 times? The game would be over in 10. Right, minutes. exactly. And so, like I. So I, I liked it, but I saw a lot of Rutgers fans actually criticizing his play calling. I'm like, I don't know. Like, we're not like other teams. Like, we're not like other teams. But but really, we're we're not. And and, and we probably won't be for a long time, if ever. So, so you know, we, we have to play like that. And, you know, if you're not going to be good, be fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I was just going to say, like, we have little highlights over uh, – um, uh, ESPN and and Fox Sports, what and CBS, whatever, all the the sportsy highlight real Twitter accounts. Yeah, lots of Rutgers featured last year because we had some cool moments, some cool plays, and and it was fun. And and that's all you can ask for. That's good publicity. And and I as maybe it's the academic in me, the the growing academic is like a higher level PhD student at this point. I, I need to remind myself or I need to remember that like college football programs are just the PR side of a university <laughs> and and so like I, I I just want us to not be embarrassing to said university that that's all you can really ask for for your PR sports team <laughs> uh, and I think Rutgers has gone past the embarrassing stage I don't know you guys what do you guys because well, I know embarrassing or? I hear that there I've heard that there is a large contingent at you know of Rutgers alums that this is a common thing with Illinois too, where they feel that Rutgers being bad at football is almost a badge of honor. Like it proves that we're real serious <laughs> about academics and like, no, <laughs> we wouldn't want to devote too much, too many resources to this football team yet. They don't endorse a full transition to D three. Yeah, right. no, that's, there that's is not- no point in half-assing a big yeah. 10 football team, either be in the big 10 or and don't. go all so- in or don't. I would say Rutgers definitely does not have that issue. I can't speak for Illinois. Um, Rutgers fans are not very much like, oh, we care more about academics rather than sports. No, rather we're just like, wow, we're in the Big Ten. Wow, these teams sure are hard. Wow, sure would be great if we were good. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, that's kind of it, really. Like, I, I, I think Rutgers fans want us to be good, want us to be great even. Um, it's just... A lot of them are kind of like, well, I mean, you know, we have never really been great in my recent tenure. I mean, if you take a, a recent Rutgers alum, 
there's like that very narrow time frame in the good Greg Schiano era between what 2005, 2006 was our big pandemonium scattering year, 2008, yeah. And then, then uh, kind of, and then 2012 season was pretty good. We played Virginia Tech in the Russell Athletic Bowl nine and nine and three that season. I was there. Um, so, but but there's not a lot to draw on that really engages and galvanizes the fans. Like it's not like we Rutgers fans are like. Oh, I remember when we were so good and we won the national championship and we did this, but, but that doesn't mean these same fans want us to be bad. They just, they don't really have anything to call upon when they remember they want us to be good, but we're not. <laughs> and yeah. So Greg Schiano in his original tenure did a lot of work towards dispelling that old ass boomer notion that from my understanding held Rutgers back for a long time, the notion of, yes. well, we're a public Ivy and, you know, we shouldn't be putting our resources towards. Yeah. So towards maybe football. historically, so maybe there's like a, a divide. I mean, 2006 was, was long ago at this rate, which is crazy to think. Um, so, so maybe there's a divide between uh, pre-Shiano and post-Shiano. Post-Shiano Rutgers fans are fully invested in this Rutgers is a football school type world. Even yeah, because you see yeah. it. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. to get invested in something yeah. you've actually seen some proof of concept. Yeah, the, I'm betting if they had stumbled across some our Parsegian clone back in the 50s or 60s and they had a few winning seasons that people would have come around all that much sooner. Yeah, totally. Uh, but unfortunately, the, those Preciano fans are, are present, but they're not that present. Rutgers honestly has like a really weak alumni base, frankly. And so I don't really worry about these people. The ones who are like, at Rutgers is a public ID, Rutgers College. That's what I graduated from. Eh. Like I, the, they don't matter either uh, because Rutgers has a, an incredibly weak <laughs> alumni base really we like we struggle with donations we just like formed some nil collective i was like yeah good luck with that <laughs> um so so honestly records alumni um uh, potential help perception doesn't really matter because it's well, see that's good stuff because over here we have to appease the boomers because as you know they have all of the wealth yeah, like we we don't have that. Rutgers does not have like a bunch of like grads like who are threatening to withhold money because we're do doing too much football or vice versa. It's just we have no one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I, um, I don't think bring back the racist mascot or I'm never donating again. <laughs> oh, I hope Illinois becomes the Kingfishers because it's your colors and it's a cool freaking bird. How, how could you not want to be a Kingfisher? Hail Alma Otter. Oh, Alma Otter. Yeah, so okay. true. I like the Kingfisher. I like the art I saw for it. Anyway, I digress. Why are you wearing a Sooner shirt? Sorry. Oh yes, to, 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 your 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 boy Lincoln Riley has invaded my safe space from Illinois football. You don't tell me your your secondary team is the Sooners. Ew. The the, the, the astronauts in space meme always has been. Oh my God, dude, I hate, okay, so when I came out to LA, I would attend Rutgers football watch parties with our very tiny Rutgers Club of Southern California that should be much bigger because there's a fuck ton of Rutgers alums out here. I digress. I'm in a room with like 10 Rutgers fans. We're watching sports bar with like 10 Rutgers fans. We're watching the game. All I hear the whole time is <laughs> boomer sooner. And it was the worst thing ever. There were fucking 40 of them in the other room. 
And we'll anyway, flowchart I trust at some point. Yeah, try try going to the game. Yes. They never stop yeah. playing that same exact fight song. It's terrible. And anyway, the and the Oklahoma fans' reactions to Lincoln Riley is so stale at this point. Like it is so like, oh my god, let it go. Like I'm sorry you were spurned. <laughs> like really, oh, get yeah, over man. it. Their choice of his successor shows all the much that they were in their feelings about it. Man, Brent Venables could be a decent head coach, but to give yeah. a first time head coach that job um that is the reaction <laughs> of people who do not want to be hurt again well, what, what what they want isn't is you know then their their you know their new girlfriend is going to be the exact opposite of the old one and she's going to be yeah. so much better than you yeah well ex- exactly and <laughs> like she's, she's exactly the opposite yeah and that's the funny thing it's like i like they're hurt is is precisely because they're sad <laughs> that Lincoln's gone <laughs> and I'm sorry, but let it go. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't love you anymore. <laughs> All I'm going to say is the big 10 still should have made that move in Oklahoma and Texas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before the SEC. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're way off in the weeks. I don't have to. a whole other podcast. Villanoi, I don't have time to be sad about Oklahoma. So. Okay. Continuing. We're on defense now. There is reason for optimism for the foundation of the program, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. This is where Shiano has historically made his money. Um, that's the side of the ball that he got back into big 10 shape or something approximating it much more quickly. Yeah. Troublingly for this season, there is a good deal of turnover on that side of the ball where, I mean, really, if you look up and down the depth chart, you could say, all right, the safety group is in pretty good shape because they still have Christian Izzy and an Avery Young. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that, and that's part, right. And, Safeties, uh, just particularly where Greg Schiano has been good, you know, not, I wouldn't so. go so far as to classify Rutgers under Greg Schiano as a safety school. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's good to have something to fall back on if your linebacker misdiagnoses the play. Let me see uh, who the former NFL players, um. And Cordy's, yeah. Yeah, they were safeties, right? I mean, don't people joke and they say, uh, sorry, I want to make sure. Yeah, I mean, like, Rutgers fans often joke, like, oh, Rutgers is GBU, <laughs> right? I mean, like, our secondary yeah. is, is, is good. Well, under Shiano, it was good. Well, in, in the <laughs> sense that they produce more NFL defensive backs than you'd expect, but not in right. the sense that they produce more than LSU. Oh, no, not more than, yeah, sorry. Not <laughs> something is blank you. You're implying we are better at doing this than anyone else. Absolutely. But I think and, I think yeah. more than you'd expect is still a good uh, uh, measure for oh, yeah. school, yeah, for yeah, especially when you're, like, recruiting, right? It's like, hey, I mean, look at, look at these. Yeah. These defensive backs, like these safeties yeah. that made it to the good shape in the safety group. You, yeah. You because they have, they have some corners who played in reserve roles last year, like longer beam. They should be okay in the defensive backfield. Front seven, though, um, I mean, it, it's all—it's tough to say whether they lost more of the defensive. I had the, they lost more in the linebacker group. Were they 
really everybody who played significant downs are going to be gone. Olakule Farkasi, I thought, was one of the more underrated players in the conference. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, that's that, again, but far from the only loss in that group, um, Tariq Maddox-Williams is gone. Um, Tyshawn Fogg, Drew Singleton, all gone. Oh, God, sorry. Hearing these names out loud as being gone. Oh, this is going to be, sorry, this year is going to be bloodbath well, the for good, us. So the good news <laughs> is linebacker is a position where as long as you have the physical abilities, young players can contribute right away. And two of the best recruits in Rutgers class are linebackers, Moses Walker and Anthony Johnson. You can expect to see both of those guys at least play right away. Um, Maybe or maybe not start, but no, there are some losses there to be sure. Um, On the defensive line, they've had a few guys move on as well. Shiano has more stood pat there though. Um, Hasn't brought in as much in the way of either. I mean, freshmen, you wouldn't expect to be huge impacts there anyway, but did not bring in much in the way of transfers that he did previously on the defensive line. So it seems to suggest that he's pretty confident in what they've recruited there and that they'll be able to fill those guys in. So speaking of um, those recruits, it is a pretty well-regarded class coming in on paper. Part of that is because they have 26 guys. So those numbers will pump up your rank. Um, Five of those guys are in the top 500 nationally where you can expect them to be at least decent power five contributors. Eight of them are unranked altogether, which means they're outside of the top 1000. Um, other guys you would expect to play early. I mean, Rutgers, despite Pacheco being far and away their best running back, they played other guys, but still Samuel Brown is another one of those blue chip type of guys that it will be tempting to play him early. I haven't really seen anything from Aaron Young or Kyle Manungai that makes me think we well, need to get that guy 20 carries a game. So I think you could see no, Samuel yeah. Brown. Totally. But I actually think Young and Menungai are actually what I saw, but I was just like, oh, okay. You know, so they're fine. I mean, they're, they're fine. I don't say that in a way to, you know, say, get these scrubs out of here. Right. Yeah. I don't think they're the kind of guy that keeps a four star off the field, especially around. Right. Um, We mentioned also, you know, the receiver room, unless they get something from one of the upperclassmen who haven't really done much so far, like a Washington um, there'll be space there for a Marion Brown who stands six foot three and also by ranking was one of like the very highest three stars in the composite, like just below the four star line. So he's got the frame to be at least be a red zone threat right away, which is something Rutgers hasn't really had. Like Bo Mountain was not mm-hmm. the go up and get a contested ball type of guy. Right. So he's another one you could see play right away. Other than that, mostly developmental guys. And like I said, so the two linebackers, maybe the receiver and the running back because you've got holes at those positions to fill, uh, but probably not going to be a ton of true freshmen playing, even out of a pretty good class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, yeah, no, I mean, everything you said pretty much lines up with my general feel feelings for how this is going to go. Definitely less skill than last year. I, I would, I would say mm-hmm. if you guys agree. Um, but, but not like, especially at wide out those transfers are going to help it's really yeah. just a question of how do they pick up the system do yeah you we're, we're not going to be federal or do you take your lumps going to Wimsat quicker right i don't think we're gonna be totally helpless and in fact i actually do like having both federal and Wimsat present because I, like like i said before federal is reliable i he's reliable i know he's not gonna he's not going to throw a pick, <laughs> you know, and I know that uh, he's thrown very few from what I can remember. Um, he's Consummate a tank. game manager. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I like that we still have him. So, you know, we have a good steady hand on the ship. I, I imagine he'll be a captain um, for the team. That's good motivation um, uh, for these new players, for these up and coming players that are looking to prove themselves and then prove themselves they must uh, <laughs> because we are in a tough conference. Um, yep. I'm sure you guys know. So, but I, I think it'll be okay. I said before, like, oh my God, this year's going to be a bloodbath because we are losing so many good players, have lost so many good players. But yeah, it's not. It's not so awful looking. Let's look at what it's actually going to look like here. Yeah. Run through the schedule here. So yeah. start off with another former Big East rival, correct? In Boston College? Yeah, actually. Uh, I forgot we were playing them this year until I filled the schedule two seconds ago. Um, witness test there, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be a tough game. That's Jeff Halfley did a pretty good job in his first year at, at Boston College uh, taking over for Steve Adazio. <laughs> <laughs> and his very predictable time to dive, you know, 45 carries a game offense. It's crazy that both of those names were people that people were yelling at to be Rutgers next coach, not Shiano Adazio and Halfley. Didn't happen, obviously. Thank God. I would say. still be the guy. And it, they yeah. were they were kind of underwhelming last year, but they're going to have Phil Jerkovic back and healthy. And when he was able to play the first few games last year, I mean, it was early to say Heisman conversation, but he was lighting it up. Um, You're telling me he was an ACC quarterback in 2021, putting up unbelievable numbers. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, we could very well lose that game. I actually don't know what to say for for BC because uh, there's going to be some regional energy there. Uh, A lot from the recruiting side. We regularly trade and lose recruits to each other, BC and Rutgers, for all time. So the coaches there are going to be – really trying to win so they can use that for recruiting that's going to be a road game so that's going to be yeah that could be an enormous opportunity for a win but i think boston Mm -hmm. college returns too much production um to expect one yeah yeah that's like that's that's the thing like that's going to be these all these new players their first game out of the gate bc oh my god forget it so i i i don't know i'm not i'm feeling ambivalent uh, not really other, confident. Yeah, other two non-con games should be winnable, though. Wagner. Yeah, Wagner. I'm never playing Wagner. Wagner. Temple what? shouldn't be a problem. Who scheduled um, Wagner? Some, people make fun of Rutgers. All the bye game. You want to get the win. Um, yeah, you got to have one of these. We play Chattanooga on a Thursday. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, the crossovers with the Big Ten West. There's the home game against Iowa, home yeah. game against Nebraska, <laughs> and then a trip to Minnesota. That's relatively tough. Um, your ability to stop the run will certainly be tested, although Nebraska's offense might look considerably different, but still three teams that are on better footing than Rutgers right now. So the crossovers are not great. Yeah. Um, oh man, this is road. A... Hang on a sec. Rutgers does have five home games in the, in the conference this year. So you probably view that as an advantage. That would be Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan, Penn state. Hmm. Um, that's yeah. probably neutral, really. I mean, with the the tougher four teams in the division, it's set up so that you have two on the road every year. This year, that's Ohio State and Michigan State. I am going to go ahead and throw my team back in that tougher game category after last season. Um, yeah. I think there's a road to six games there. It's certainly going to have to involve at least one or two upsets in conference over teams that will probably be getting points um, from the Vegas or from the casual from the casual spectator. So not a terribly I, friendly uh, crossover draw because no, not at all. Yeah. Um, Minnesota should be, I mean, 
there's three teams that should be that should go roughly eight and four to nine and three every year in the Big Ten West now. Minnesota's joined the ranks of Wisconsin and Iowa, in my opinion. And then what I would if, say is you avoid Wisconsin, which has yeah. been a, which has dominated Rutgers and most. Oh yeah, isn't that so funny? I think like like as far as dominating performances go, I, I would argue that Wisconsin has been the only Big Ten team to truly consistently kick our ass, like without a doubt, every time. Like every time you play Wisconsin, I'm like, oh nope, that's no chance. I don't know what it is about how they pull it off. They, but I digress. When they, get, when they get rolling, it feels like they're going downhill sometimes. It, it does mm-hmm. have that feeling occasionally. Of course, there's also the crossover against Nebraska, which, um, as everybody here has played Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers, it's like somebody mating Captain Falcon who chooses to edge guard really aggressively when they have no jump <laughs> and can't get back to recover. So it's like, all right, we'll do some really aggressive strategies and have nothing in place in the event that we make really big mistakes because we're moving too fast. That's a very niche way to uh, <laughs> describe that um, for uh, our listeners. Exactly uh, what he meant. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure certain a majority of OTE listeners <laughs> were nerds, but um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't oh, like this. Schedule. Show them your moves is my yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes, I, I think of all these. Sorry, the schedule's rough. Uh, I don't like Iowa as our first uh, conference game. That's gotta hurt. Um, Ask Indiana how that goes. I, yeah, I never like Ohio State. Uh, yeah, sure, Nebraska, whatever. Indiana's our homecoming. Apparently, that's maybe um, of the home games you've got in that stretch. That's probably who you want to put on homecoming. I mean, your alternatives yeah. would be Iowa, Nebraska, and Michigan. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Yeah, that's sorry, I'm Michigan. <sighs> yeah, no, that's rough. Penn State at home is going to be nice. People, at least Rutgers fans, show up for that one. If we start losing, they're going to leave at halftime. But uh, you know, they'll be there. Um, yeah. Oh man, no, this is going to be bad. I'm going to, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say we're going to get four wins. You heard it here first. <laughs> I well, think we're going to be close. Um, yeah. I think we'll lose one of our non-con games. I think we'll lose either to Boston College or Temple, not both. Boston College is rough. I yeah. If last and, year was any indication, you're not going to have any problem with Temple at all. Yeah, right. Fair. The only way that we could surprise the country truly is if Gavin Wimsett has turned into a total stud over um, the spring and summer practice. That's the only way. Is if, if suddenly Rutgers is renewed as a new quarterback and a really, really good um, uh, receiver core that just works with Wimsat. Um, that's the only way. Um, but if we're playing with this, what, what the same that we had last year as far, as far as like Vedrill kind of doing it and then including the players that we lost and the slight gains that we've gotten from the portal and from recruiting, I don't, yeah, I don't see us getting... I certainly don't see us getting more wins than last year. It's so tough to make um, games in the Big Ten East, but the way to do it is to bring in blue chip talent um, for several years in a row. And it mm-hmm. feels like even if this year ends up just being a stepping stone or just marking time, then at the very least, the roster, the depth chart is getting loaded up with those kind of players that you would need to you know, compete for a full 60 minutes with the Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, you know, on a, on a regular basis. It's, yeah. it's a step towards that. So long as Shiano doesn't lose his credibility with the uh, high schools he's recruiting, which I don't right, think yeah. he's in any Maybe danger of doing given his I don't think he extensive is. He, track record. 
yeah, he's got a good track record. He's likable. Um, he he uses his little uh, helicopter pretty good <laughs> to like show up to the, these high school games and impress the recruits and the coaches like him. The NJ uh, High School Football Coaches Association likes him. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of yeah, competing with that Ohio State letter. You know, I I I get it. You know, you, you hear about Rutgers, you grew up listening to Rutgers football, even going to the games, and you're like, yeah, I want to play for Rutgers. Well, yeah, but then, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, uh, USC, Oklahoma are starting to notice you. And, like, I get it for these for these kids. So, like, they they're, they have to play this insane game of convincing that this is in their best interest to get students, uh, not students players, to come to Rutgers, you know, and schools like it. Um but yeah, it's it's possible. If anything, this might be a down year, but the next year, 2024, would be good. And and or 2023, sorry, skipping years. Um, but then aren't people talking about change in the divisions? Have you guys heard of this? I've heard rumblings that that yeah. Big it's, Ten is sincerely. Sounds considered. like they're sounds like they're gonna sounds like yeah. Gonna. yeah, they 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 wanna they wanna make sure they get ahead of the Illinois wins the Big Ten West at seven and five thing that could happen someday. But no, yeah, it's in the Big Ten's, any conference's best interest to not have any of its teams be total doormats. I mean, am I right? Like, what is the economic benefit to any of these, any of these conferences to have a team be so truly terrible and beat down, especially not be, I don't know, uh, Rutgers in Maryland, like the teams that they brought in specifically to tap these uh, rich viewership markets, if the teams are not good or not allowed to be good because of this beat down that they're getting year after year, I just don't see the economic benefit there. That's um, an interesting and- question. So I think what you want if you're a conference, if you're looking at it from a pure economic standpoint is you want your team, you want to be as sure as you can that teams are playing for the national title. And the way you do that is they don't stub their toe on the way. So do I think the SEC is bothered that Vanderbilt loses by 50 points every game? No, because that's one less threat to Georgia losing a game somewhere along the way. Same thing, you know, when Oklahoma was trying to win the Big 12 every year, did it necessarily matter that Kansas was usually not an obstacle? No, because the Big 12 wants Oklahoma in the playoff. Mm -hmm. Because the payoffs from that and the attention on the conference far outweigh the benefit of, oh, we get Kansas in a bottom tier bowl game and they get whatever pittance of a payout that is relative to the college football playoff appearance. So purely economically, no, I don't think one or two really terrible teams is going to bother a conference even long-term because you really, you want teams playing for the national title. And so in a way you want stratification, you want, you want to make sure you have a team getting there. Yeah, you, you don't want yeah. all your teams going nine and three. You don't want the big 10 West. You want the big 10 East. Yeah. Right. You want America. Uh, right. And on, on that yes. horribly depressing note, let's talk about something a little more cheerful after that four and eight production, which was, or prediction rather, which is um, another impressive season from Rutgers basketball. Um, the yeah. Pikel build continues steadily, but insurably. Um, it went fine, really. It, I will say that for a minute there, it, they had us in the first half, right? Where they made it look not good. Because there's that stretch in the conference where it was like, this team not score 60 points in a conference game. Um, three straight losses to absolutely terrible teams early in the season. Um, but still, they studied themselves. 
really changed the way the year was going with that Purdue win. And then from there, there was a stretch in that season, like a seven game stretch. I hold on. I think I wrote it down here. Yeah, was, or we just... I did not. It, no, you know what? It was in my street that I wrote Rutgers basketball. Where we were um, losing a lot. <laughs> well, it, there, there were some ups and downs to it because there's a seven-game stretch there where, I mean, they played, I think they played Wisconsin twice and Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue again. Like, there was a stretch in there that was absolutely incredibly difficult. Yes. Um, and they took a step forward. Really, the, the one restrict there's a well there's a couple restraints on the ceiling of the program right one is still not a great team away from home although i will say they got a win at the Cole center this year over a wisconsin team that is also notoriously difficult to beat at home however they lost at home to that wisconsin team so i'm viewing it as more of a trade-off it still <laughs> comes out to whatever they, were the not, they weren't gonna well, go undefeated at home wasn't this, this I, I i remember this basketball season uh, fleetingly like like anything in my life right now um it this was the season where like we started off real weak like oh we're not good like what the heck is going on what happened yeah. then all of a sudden we had that where people were like oh my gosh Rutgers basketball America's basketball team because we upset Purdue and then after that it was just cool yeah great game after great game I, I remember I remember it's all coming back yeah um yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But what a heartbreaking, sorry for, if I'm skipping ahead, that that tournament game, you know, first four in game wasn't even round one. It, it sucked. Yeah. Luck of the Irish. Literally, as soon as it turned midnight on St. Patrick's Day, Notre Dame. Yep, I was saying the whole time, man, you can't let this go to overtime. Can't yeah, let this go to, go to yeah, overtime on St. Patrick's Day. Day. It's going to write yep. itself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like the old Buffalo Wild Wings commercials, which kind of like – very tongue-in-cheek but like you could see this happening like oh yeah everything actually is rigged we could get whatever outcome we want like yeah no once that game rolled over to the 17th Rutgers was never going to win just not in the cards there um, and you know that tournament draw in particular given the strength of some of Rutgers wins is yet another piece of evidence that there's really no benefit in playing a terrible non-conference schedule yeah yeah because mm-hmm. even if Rutgers had won those three games I mentioned um, I don't even remember who I know Lafayette was one of them uh, but that three-game stretch that they all lost, winning those games by 40 points each would not have changed Rutgers' statistical profile much at all. You probably would have gotten a pretty similar seed. Well, no, because those would have been bad losses gone. So your seed would have bumped up a little bit. You're probably not in the playing game that way. But still, you would not have gotten a favorable seed. It's better to play good teams and lose to them but play well than to play bad teams and blow them out because you can't learn that much from playing a team that's that much worse than you. All you can learn is what Rutgers showed in those three games, which is if we're, if the shots really aren't going in, this team's capable of some 30 and 40 point outputs. So anyway, in terms of guys on the court, they have some huge losses. Um, Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker chief among them. Oh shoot. I meant to look this up before we started. I'm going to check and see if Caleb McConnell pulled his name out of the draft since deadline day was today. Right. But, Oh my God. Yeah. We, we, what a senior team. I think that's why I was so upset by that. I mean, what a team, right? I He's mean, coming back. Okay. So Caleb McConnell returns as the reigning that's conference great. defensive player of the year. That's awesome. I don't know if he really profiles as a number one offensively. Um, but look, McConnell coming back is big. And it's especially true because, in an, I mean, college basketball has as much roster tumult proportionally as football, if not more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Steve Peichel here has built a culture that I think this is still true. Again, I haven't checked this in the last few days, but to have no outgoing transfers on a basketball team in 2022 is incredible. It's, it's yeah. a very rare thing at this level. That is unbelievable, especially when you consider that uh, last year coming off of a, you know, a, a, like a virtually unprecedented tournament berth, uh, Rutgers lost a very key contributor. I can't remember, but you, do you know who I was Aquasi referring Aboa. to? Hmm? You're talking about Aquasi Aboa. Yes, yes. Lost him unexpectedly to the transfer portal and Steve Peichel. Oh, no, no, no. The transfer thing was um, Eugene 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 went to Oregon. Was the guy right, was Eugene yeah. Ormory. Okay, yeah. yes, that's that's who I was talking about. Um, yeah. But point is, they had more roster turnover than I was expecting, and I was thinking like, hey, uh, you know, are they going to be able to really get through that? And they, they did that just fine, arguably, you know, pointing out roughly the quality of team that they, that they put out last year. Yeah. Really didn't, really didn't miss him. Well, so the, the, the Omarui thing was two years ago, but yeah. it was still like, it, it's not often that a team's durability of culture is apparent the way it is with Rutgers basketball. Yeah. Um, and that's very much, and look, they're going to on the court, they're going to have questions like getting McConnell back is huge. But it's still your top two options in terms of scoring the ball from a team that was already kind of not very good at scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're talking in terms of shot sequencing, like maybe McConnell does turn into the alpha dog next year, but it feels more like they're going to need Cliff Omarui and Paul Mulcahy to be a lot better in much bigger roles. They have other guys like Dean Ryber, um, perhaps who could end up being that guy down the road or Jalen Miller type, but it doesn't feel like they have guys who are ready to score 15 to 16 points a game. And that's what they need. They need a guy who consistently scores. And that's how you went on the road, by the way. Right. And that's what they had. (laughs) Depth and role players win your games at home. If you want to consistently win on the road, you need stars. Those are the guys who don't shrink from hostile crowds who will take the big shots in difficult environments you can't expect role players to be as good on the road as they are at home. And that's, I think that's really the reason for the home road split for Rutgers because they have incredible depth and a good team concept, their role players play up, which is at home, but on the road, they don't have the guy who's capable of winning them the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's tough. And like the split definitely was weird. And then, uh, you know, the year before that we were like, what, pretty much undefeated at home, um, which is really cool. Um, I believe we were, um, I think they may uh, yeah. have lost one game at home, think, but also only won two games away from home. It was exactly. really it was, an it was, astonishing, uh, split. Yeah. astonishing yeah. split. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so it's interesting. And I, yeah, I agree. Pykel's built a robust team and there's something about Rutgers basketball that, yeah, it's keeping players at the least. They're, they're, they're buying into Pykel's vision and his culture and whatever. And I think in the basketball sense, the fans – really are showing up for some reason not not like oh for some reason like fans like a good team no the the Rutgers basketball fans who are super passionate are are really good and and so I think that that helps with the perception that the players have that the fan base has and more broadly not to mention the uh historical commentary that people like Geo Baker have made with regards to NIL among other things like I I you know a lot of that, you know, players' rights stuff in general, too, uh, are amazing uh, players like Geo Baker, among others. So it's a team you want to stay and play for, which is good. Um, 
Pike's a good coach. Also, I, I believe that he he's actually a genuinely good coach, and I'm, I'm happy that we have him. Um, he really- is, and I, uh, yeah. I expressed some surprise in the season recap that nobody's made a serious pass at trying to pry him away yet. I understand Rutgers is paying him pretty well, yeah. but there have been other programs that have had to replace coaches recently that can, frankly, blow you away financially. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I, 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 I fear that all the time. I would like to hope that Rutgers knows how to invest in, in its good coaches and that, and that it's not like we're Temple or I don't no. know, some other lower rung program. Like we are a big 10 basketball program. You know, he's got the chance to compete against some of the best basketball programs in the country in this conference. So I think it's attractive. I think it's an attractive position. I think that's also helping us. It's also making people less likely to come and poach us. They're like, oh, we could easily pull Pike away from Rutgers. I don't know about easily. And I think they're just not trying, which is good. Thank God. Finally, Rutgers is to a point where like, I'm like, oh, good. People kind of like are "Mm," about, you know, touching our coaches, which is a, there is also, we're making it. (laughs) Also the fact that um, from Pike's perspective, what he's already achieved at Rutgers probably gets him as much runway as he needs if they have a down season or two. Whereas if you were to go to, I mean, say for example, that North Carolina had made a pass at him to come there. Well, if you don't make a final four or win a title within the first two or three years, half your fan base wants you out. So there is something to be said for that stability for the coach too. And I mean, in terms of long picture or big picture prospects here, like the big 10 is probably going to be down next year. Uh, the conference suffered extreme losses to the NBA draft in particular and had a few notable players transfer out as well. I know Rutgers lost a couple of cornerstone guys in Harper Jr. and Baker, but having that stable culture and continuity, I mean, McConnell is going to be one of the better returning players in the conference next year. Yeah. I would think Dickinson probably opens as the betting favorite for player of the year out of the gate. But McConnell could be in that picture if he bumps his offensive game up just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, honestly, like in terms of a dark horse conference contender, I've seen, I know, Thump, you mentioned that with some disdain. Indiana, I suppose, is going to be in as good a position as anyone. But I wouldn't, I mean, when the betting Look, odds come out. If I'm an Indiana fan, if I am an Indiana fan and I see John Rothstein going on Twitter and declaring, the Big Ten runs through Indiana. I'm, 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 I'm Michael Scott. No, no, God, no! Don't do this to me. Just don't. You should, you should edit that soundbite in at this moment for this. Uh, very fitting. <laughs> like, like if I'm Indiana after the amount of failed projections that they've had, seasons that were supposed to be great that weren't. Right. And I see John Rothstein saying that here in June, I'm going to war. <laughs> I'm reaching through my phone and putting my hands around that man's neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stop. <laughs> yeah. So what you're going to want to try to do is to not have your guy hang three banners in a row because then Kansas will come calling. Um, that's eh. you, you don't think it can happen to you, but it can happen yeah. to you. Oh, damn. Um Huh. Yeah, no, I, I hope not. But 
you know, Rutgers is cursed uh, in many ways and bad things always happen to us. The thing that you really don't want to happen from Rutgers tends to happen <laughs> as a fan. So I, I, I'm not holding my breath anymore for, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. I'm sure it won't. No, it probably would and could. Just, just hope that it won't. <laughs> That's you know, it. that kind of makes me think. I've had this whole recurring thought throughout this entire thing. Let's consider the evidence, okay? We've got a... a a brand of basketball that's like it leads to some plotting unwatchable games where the scores can be in the 40s and 50s. Uh, we, we've got somebody who who admits as a fan that yeah, yes, absolutely, academics of our football team absolutely matters. That's absolutely a thing that matters. Um, we have a team that's kind of trying to do whatever they can on offense to just sort of more kill clock than you know try to score points as as they're. Their defense just grinds away the game in under three well, hours. Back to Illinois, I just need to see exactly how. I think I know where he's going. Yeah, but... it's, I'm no. What I'm what I'm trying to say is this. What I'm trying to posit <laughs> is this: Is Rutgers not Big Ten? <laughs> there it is. Have um, they assimilated? Yeah, tell me that right. Have so they assimilated? Bring... <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's all the way back to are you not Midwest conclusion. Is is Rutgers really trying to do anything other than establish the run? <laughs> well, I mean, I would like to think that we're, uh, our football-wise, we're very Big Ten just by our punting prowess alone. Uh, I think you can it's, give me that. Wasak has earned Rutgers big credit on that front. You see, no. so so I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, we're we're a nerdy school that that has good a good public uh, public ivy. You know, uh, we have good punting as compared to other big 10 teams we have a colossally apathetic half fan base and a colossally into it other half of the fan base that sounds very much like indiana northwestern illinois purdue even uh so i mean i think we sound pretty big 10 you know or the big 10 will become us (laughs) maybe we're all bleeding into each other Rutgers and Maryland have bled into the Big Ten. The Big Ten has bled into us. What a lovely Cronenberg of a conference we've assembled here. Indeed. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I understood people making the cultural objections when the expansion to include Rutgers and Maryland was first announced. But it's also like, man, if you're still complaining about it at this point, you're never going to be happy about anything. Like, yeah. At some point, also, you know, except what reality is. Also money. Like, like yeah. I, I know the I know the SEC is not complaining about Oklahoma and Texas. And I know no. our, like regionally it's a little closer, but it's are not. slightly different brands on the field too. <laughs> totally. No, totally. But like, but any truly regional conscience objectors are quiet. <laughs> well, they are indeed different brands on the field because for instance, uh, Rutgers has beaten Maryland recently, unlike Texas. Source for Big Ten Cog, it's a tackle empire.